arrived once again, where you have come here to listen to us talk about music. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, Grunge Bible Podcast, episode 105. My name is Chris Salona. Ethan Shalloway is here as well. Ethan, what's going on today, my brother? Dude, nothing much. Uh, it's a beautiful Saturday morning. We're recording this. I'm doing a two Saturday morning pods, uh, pod recordings in a row. Yeah. I like it. So this is close I don't to know real if I love it. We've done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like it's nice. It's it's kind of nice because um, this is kind of our well, we have other obligations, but you know we don't have to work, so it feels like it's our only obligation. Yeah, today. it's nice. You, you get up on a Saturday morning, and before you have a chance to uh, be uh, lured outside by the <laughs> allure of grandeur that the day has, it's like you know, there's no escaping. You get up and you pod. You know, you get up, yeah. get some coffee, and you podcast. I haven't even brushed my teeth yet this morning. Oh, I brush my teeth with coffee, That basically. <laughs> exactly. That's all you need to do. So, yeah, um, I'm excited. This is going to be a really fun episode. We're going to be talking about Temple of the Dog, the band, and the album, obviously, Absolutely. as one. And uh, it's going to be it's gonna be a fun one. It's going to be fun. Uh, but, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm I'm pretty exhausted. Um, so this week, I, I mentioned you it had last a big week. week. Yeah, I had a really big week in the way of live music. So I'm still kind of coming down from that. So um, I saw a show in New Haven, Connecticut, and then I saw a show the next night in Portland, Maine. It was the same bands, uh, the same tour: uh, Hot Mulligan, Carly Cosgrove, and The Wonder Years. Um, my uh, my very dear friend who is will be listening to this show and a patron. Uh, and a patron, uh, greatly known as Eddie Vedder, got me through my second divorce. Um, he's a big Wonder Years fan, and he got me into the band. So I've seen them four times now, all with him. It's our tradition. You know, we've got different uh, parts of this tradition. You go, you house food, you have as many um, double Bacardi and Cokes as you can uh, in the short window that you've given yourself before you can get to the venue, and then you go. And we only watch the show from stage left like three rows back from the front uh the front partition in the pit right in front of the bass guitarist and it's great and let me tell you the 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 Wednesday show in Portland uh in New Haven was good but the Thursday show in Portland Maine was was out of this world it's it's honestly like it's one the of the better concerts got you I've through had. your first divorce. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> man. It was it was one of the better concerts that I think I've ever been to. The energy was incredible. Um, the the setup was great. I mean, this it was so loud, so much louder than Wednesday. But it was just a venue difference. Um, and yeah. they is the same set list, the same exact songs, but it, dude, it hit. It was it was I so love good. That. Um, I it really um. It was, it, was, it was such a cool memory, and, and we kept saying, because we were obviously working that week, and we had stuff to do, so, you know, we just, like, crammed these these two shows that are in neither of our own states <laughs> together, but you know what they say, life's too short not to do both shows. Right. Uh, if you can, you, you gotta do it, so I'm really happy that we did it, um, but I'm I'm quite tired. Um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was totally yeah. worth it, though. It was fucking awesome. So what was the total car time? So it was, uh, he drove down to me about two hours and then I drove two hours there and back to New Haven. Um, and then the next day I drove two hours up to, uh, New Hampshire and then an hour over to Portland, an hour back to New Hampshire and then two hours back down. 
It's about um, 10 hours. Yeah. And this was the day before the uh, the New Haven show. I had to go up to Boston and spent five total hours in the car that day sitting in traffic. So it was a big, big day for the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> big yeah, week, a big lot week of, for the wheel. As we like to say, I will drive myself. And that's exactly, exactly what you guys did. Yeah, that's man. Awesome. So it was, it was super, super cool. After we talk about after we talk about the album, I want you to uh, talk about your bar experiences as well. Yes, yeah, because this, those this ties are back those into were the important. Big Lebowski episode. Yes, because those were important, and you had two great bar experiences yeah. from from what I've I've heard, oh, yeah. and that is yeah, that is gonna, so much fun. Yeah, yeah, that'll be for the end of the episode for the purists, for the connoisseurs of the. <laughs> That's right. Podcast. That's a little little, little uh, anecdote, a little fun fun exactly. story at the end. Yeah, I mean, some people come for that, but a lot of people come for. The content and this content would not be possible uh, without the support of everybody who has chosen to lift us up into higher stratospheres with each passing week. Uh, most notably, the strongest arms of that group that's lifting us up <laughs> are the top level supporters on Patreon. They have chosen to give us $10 a month to make this podcast run. Um, and if you are interested in supporting us on Patreon, we have a $2 a month, a $5 a month, and a $10 a month level. All of those together keep this podcast humming, and the hum does indeed roll on forever. So at this yeah. time, I would like to thank our top-level supporters on Patreon, and their names, spoken through the ages as always, are Fuck Soup, Fresh Tendonitis, Faith Bittner, Granny Grunge, Jade Mercado, Jamie Lynn, Carlene Salona, Chris LSMS, Doug Endy, Eddie Vedder got me through my second divorce, Kara Kay, Captain Hightop, Brother Nature, Rachel Corning, Nikki Six, Millie, Alex Long, Black Hole Sean, Alexis Shannon, The Blue Owl, Laura and Irene, Marianne, Seattle Four Fanboy from New Jersey, Shoe the Shoeless, What the Fuck is Up, Denny's, Christine Shepard, and Corden Stewart. So thank you all. And because of you, we are able to lament how tired we are each week. And we're also able to talk about Temple of the Dog, which is. Wasn't what we're there gonna a, do. a patron that went by. Uh, temple of the dog name for a little bit was there one i thought um, maybe like wooden jesus or something i feel like there was may, something. yeah it so- sounds right yeah i think there was there I was definitely remember. something in there i mean ethan yeah. we've been doing this for so long that uh we have it's we have. hard to <laughs> it all just blends together yeah man this is coming off the heels of our two-year anniversary which is mm-hmm. yeah we crazy. actually have to talk about music this week <laughs> yeah i know we have to take advantage of uh the opportunity so yeah but that's that's the nice thing you know we don't uh you know we kind of talk about what we feel and and this week we feel like it's time to do a proper episode on temple of the dog and obviously having done the show for the last two years we invariably end up speaking about the band and, and the people in the band and a lot of the songs but we've never done a proper um traditional uh around these parts a traditional album review and uh we figured now is the time you know we're just the 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 scene is so vast that there's so many areas that like we're we never run out of things and we've been doing this for so long and there's still things that are kind of low-hanging fruit and that people would be really excited to listen to us talk about and i think temple of the dog is one of those uh one of those bands one of those albums one of those projects that um i think everybody has a really strong opinion of and um really excited to talk about it today i think um there's a common for people our age who like this music. We all have that common experience of when we realized what Temple of the Dog was and yeah. who was in it. And it's a, and and you know you know Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. And you're like holy shit. And then you learn about Mother Love Bone and and you understand 
the significance that the Temple of the Dog project had as it relates to Mother Love Bone and Andrew Wood. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of, uh, it's probably one of the bigger light bulb moments, like galaxy brain moments that you have when you're learning about grunge music, yeah. if you weren't old enough, um, to, to be there when it was being made. Yeah. When I, I remember when I first heard about it and first figured out the band members and saw, I realized like w- what type of window that they took it, like that they found, they took advantage of and lack of better terms. I mean, it was a sad time after Andrew passed and they made, they, you know, Chris wanted to, he wrote two tribute songs and then started talking to some other people and, and they came together with this project so fast and it like, you know, then all of a sudden bad Motorfinger and 10 came out like a year later and all of a mm-hmm. sudden the, the bands were as big as they were, but for that moment they were, uh, they had this project and it was it's really an incredible bridge between uh kind of you know the bands before mother love bone malfunction all of the green river like kind of all that stuff and then the 91 92 album boom that we talk about a lot and right. it's it's pretty special like i said it's a it's a beautiful bridge between the two and uh, it's very important like yeah it is it really it, it really we it, say that a lot like this is like, important yeah this, this is, is one of those times where it's like capital i important you know we yeah it's it's like that thing if you yell all the time um people don't really pay attention when you yell in our case if you say something is if, if you say everything is important then people are like oh whatever it's important but like yeah. this one is actually really important and i think it's it's I mean, it's historic. Like, yeah, it, 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 it's, like it, it has a very important meaning and historic yeah. piece to it that yeah. that other shit doesn't import, have. We got to add important <laughs> to the bingo chart for this week. You'll see how many times. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do yeah. Drink every time we say the word important, but it is of um of great importance to uh to place to place this album and in, in this project, you know, in a, in a time and place, and it it really just kind of shows a lot of that fraternal communal aspect that we talk about a lot as it relates to this scene in Seattle in the late eighties and early nineties. And also, you know, the, the, the talent of the songwriters and also a, um, you know, it's kind of a case study in what people in the scene struggled with and, and, and the dark side of it and how, you know, not, there's a lot of people who made music that we, we all love from this era who, you know, died before their time. So it's like, you know, you have Chris Cornell and Andrew Wood who were roommates for a time. They were friends. Um, you know, everybody in this scene, they were, you know, they were friendlier. They, they at least knew of one another. So Andrew Wood passes away um, in March of 1990 before uh, the Mother Love Bone album came out. Um, it was released posthumously. But, you know, Chris being such good friends with Andrew, um, you know, he, he lost one of his friends. And, and right after Andrew's death, you know, he has to go out um, on a European tour. And, you know, he's out there and, and, and I think anytime you lose somebody, um, especially when you lose somebody who you didn't expect to lose and, and you lose them in a pretty traumatic way, um, you know, succumbing to addiction and, and overdose and, and all of those things, you know, he felt he was out there and, you know, he didn't really have great outlets to deal with it. So obviously, as many of these great artists do, you know, when things are going on in their life that are hard to understand or hard to to. to just unwrap you know you turn to your art so he's on the road and he, and he writes demos for two songs uh reach down and say hello to heaven that you know he wrote with the mind towards andrew wood towards his friend who had passed away um you know so he gets back stateside and he approaches jeff amon and stone gossard who were in mother love bone um with andrew wood and he had the idea to kind of get into the studio and and 
maybe you know make a single and release a single with with these songs and you know jeff and stone you know they had they had a lot of material um they had a lot of demos from the mother love bone era but they had no singer so you know they're trying to recruit a singer um you know recruiting the likes of surf bums from san diego and whatnot um but this was a great point to kind of bridge that gap of the next step you know to be able to create music and 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 uh uh, you know, pay tribute to their friends. So, you know, as they get together, they fill out the band. Um, you know, Mike McCready and Stone Gossard were friends from when they were children, and, and Mike was joining the next project. Matt Cameron, obviously, having drummed in Soundgarden, you know, Chris Cornell connection. So they get together, um, you know, and they start, you know, making these demos. And quickly the project expanded. I think, you know, they kind of had soured on the idea of just making it a single, and they had so much material. And I think when something is that emotional, and you're an artist and you you process things with your art it's no surprise i think that they created more and more songs and i mean these guys are great songwriters i mean stone jeff and chris are you know some of some of the better songwriters for sure um and it's so cool like like we were saying and it is so important with the time and place that this happened you know they're in the studio in november and december of 1990 recording this album and you know they have these demos uh you know stone and jeff brought some from mother love bone chris was writing and they bring them all together and while this is happening pearl jam or mookie blaylock the uh the the new the new project they're auditioning for singers and eddie vetter ends up coming up around this time and that's how a song like hunger strike was born and you know it only yeah. took them 15 days to to put this together in the in the um in the studio um rick parashar was the producer for it um and they end up releasing it the following spring in april of 1991 um on AM. it didn't sell super super crazily uh 70,000 copies initially but then as you had mentioned earlier uh you know when you get to august and september of 1991 with 10 and bad motor finger coming out 10 absolutely exploding everywhere on mtv and on the radio uh in 1992 they reissued the album um and it really really took off because people had realized that it was basically like combining pearl jam and Soundgarden together yeah. and you know that those two bands had blown up especially pearl jam so people realized that there was a hidden gem you know, right. it was kind of high collaboration. Like they the didn't even time. need to like try for. No, they, and they they didn't have to go back into the studio and do something. Just, they they already had it, and it's 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 just it's super super cool um, that this existed, and and it really is one of the more poignant tributes because you know when you know the backstory, you you know the intent behind the music, you know, as a tribute to their friend, which is really 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 special. Yeah, it blew my mind. Uh, you know, learning that Eddie Vedder was up for an audition. Mm -hmm. He was in the studio, and they were doing Hunger Hunger Strike, and like, you know, he just started singing the background, yeah, those, like those, exactly those how Chris. You know, he's like, yeah. that's exactly how I wanted to hear it. And then yeah. Eddie just, and they decided to keep it. You know, right. like some dude that was auditioning. Like, it's so weird to think like, um, you have a random guy in the studio, more or less, like he's new, and right. you let him sing on this album that means the world to the people that are writing it and putting it together so right. that was that's special that uh he was able to be a part of it and obviously it led to a lot of great things yeah and and that's the really cool thing that's such a good story and there's a few from this album and from this project that i think in this scene in in the grunge rock scene there there are a lot of um there are a lot of stories uh that live somewhere between 
legend and historical fact, uh, yeah. and it's and it's really interesting. And and I think a lot of these these anecdotes take on kind of mythic status because if they just they just kind of happen, and the significance of them has only grown with time. And and I think hunger strike and the fact that the audition for for the for the next mother love bone you know from the ashes project coincided with this tribute album and you know he was in the studio and it happened it's it's such a cool nugget and you you realize the amount of logistical things that had to have gone right for something like that to happen uh, right really really cool uh it's really weird to think about you know what the odds are i mean we all know the story of at getting the demo tape from Jack Irons. And well, that's another story that kind of lives somewhere in that middle ground. And, you know, things just, um, things end up going the way they yeah. go. And we're all to gain from it. And now we have this album that is really special. And, you know, sonically, when I listen to it, it is really like, if you were to listen to Mother Love Boat and be like, you know, it's just a little bit too much 80s or glam and you just take, you know, take the lead singer and substitute with Chris Cornell, and you were like more of, you know, more of a '90s guy. It it really is like Mother Love Bone with Cornell singing. Like yeah. they have the same kind of groovy, groovy feels at times, and mm-hmm. really similar, obviously musical um, talent. And then you have Chris Cornell on the vocals, which he does yeah. obviously incredible work on this album. It, it's mm-hmm. you know, it comes his voice to me comes out of like. There's a lot of like desperation in there, mm-hmm. and there's there's a lot of uh, power and a lot of intense you know vocal movements that he does, and I, I think it's some of his best some of his best vocals. It's really yeah. spe- you can tell it's coming from the heart, like the whole album. Mm-hmm. Totally. And speaking to the sonic composition of the album, I I agree. It's it's definitely kind of somewhere in that middle ground between a mother love bone and a sound garden, and it's really interesting yeah. how cohesive they all were because. I mean, Chris wrote a lot of these songs and, and it's, it's like you said, it's like mother love bone, but a little bit more, you know, certainly there's a lot of those demos that, you know, when you add Chris's voice to the demos that stone and Jeff brought, and then when you add stone, Jeff and Mike's playing to something that Chris wrote, um, it's really, really perfect. And, And I agree with Chris's voice. And it sounds like, it's like one of the final eras where Chris really, really sounds quite young. Um, yeah. his voice does and it's really um it's at that time and place and i i think you know when you get to bad motor finger it, it certainly um it changes but it's cool that they they had this space where they weren't beholden to the identity of any band um to make a you know i need to make the next soundgarden record so it needs to sound like soundgarden or it needs to you know continue on these things and and the same thing obviously like mother lovebone was no more so there was no next mother lovebone album so there was just this special place and i think the focus on paying tribute to their friend andrew wood um informed the musical choices that they made where it yeah. wasn't we have to <clears throat> adhere to what we like as a band or what we want to be as a band but it was how do we make something that um you know is a tribute to our friend and and yeah. and when you you get into this album the lead track uh one of the first ones that was that chris wrote for it was say hello to heaven and i mean this one um i think it really really sets the tone um it's so poignant and it's emotion and it's so emotional um and it's one that i think as time has gone on people really associate with the scene um you know with all of the all of the early yeah. death that's happened yeah the um a beautiful, beautiful opening track. And I, I love what you said, 
that you know these guys it was before they were big you know what i mean like right. no one knew who eddie vetter was no one, like soundgarden was still super young like this was a time where they could really it would just, it all came from the heart you know there was no expectations from record labels for this one i mean it was just mm-hmm. whatever they want you know yeah there's was no just, pressure yeah it was just them writing because that was the only way they knew how to get past um the mm-hmm. loss of a friend and uh yeah the first two songs obviously being say hello and reach down um extreme uh extremely great songs and yeah the vocals on say hello obviously stand out um it's one of his it's just such a yeah i hate to say it's such a tribute but man, it really it really does exactly what yeah uh you want to do it makes you think about mm-hmm. losing and, a friend and yeah and, and, and the lyrics for this one i mean every single line you just you, you just hang on to it and you know, you'll listen to it and it'll hit you and you'll come back to the song. It'll be 30 seconds later. And then you just get pummeled by another one. Um, and I always think of, you know, the part where it says now it seems like too much love is never enough. Um, I mean, that lyric is one of the heaviest and it's so sad. I mean, all of, all of these lyrics are, are, are just, it's, it's just, you could tell that he wrote this not long after Andrew's passing because the emotion that's on here is so raw and it's almost just kind of like a stream of consciousness exercise where it's like you have all of this hurt inside you and you have all of this sadness that's been brought about by the untimely loss of your friend and it's just mm-hmm. writing about how you feel about it um yeah and i want to read a quote um that chris 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 said about uh about this song because obviously you know, when the song comes out in 1991 and Andrew Wood passed away in 1990, as, as so many things have gone on, um, this song has been used for a lot of people's untimely passings and people associate it with certain things. And now, obviously, a lot of people associate it with Chris. Um, but around the time the Temple of the Dog was touring in 2016, they were getting a lot of press, obviously, uh, you know, the uh, 25th anniversary of the album. They did that short tour. Um and, and he was talking about this song and he said, with all that's been written about Temple of the Dog recently, it's reminded me of the original meanings of those songs. Say Hello to Heaven, for example, was one of the songs I wrote directly for Andy Wood. And the amount of times someone has requested I play that song for someone else who's died have been numerous. That's great that it's become this anthem that makes somebody feel some comfort when they've lost someone. But recently I've become a little more possessive of the idea that this song was actually written for a specific guy and I haven't forgotten that person. So I've been reminding myself and those in the audience where that song came from. And and that's, that's really, really special. And that's something mm-hmm. that I didn't think about is, um, you know, these songs that we take and we apply them to our own lives and our own situations, but it is, while it's, I think it's healthy and it's important to do that. It's, it's also, um, you know, of note. You have to, you know, have to remember where these songs came from because that's yeah. how, that's how, that's one of the many ways that Andrew Wood's memory can live on. Um, is, yeah. is, is hearing people who knew him best speak about him through song. Yes, yeah, makes me think of just like people that are obviously famous and iconic and <clears throat> people look to them and, and kind of use them as, I don't want to say a commodity, but like, you know, they treat them differently. And at the yeah. end of the day, they are human beings. And like, I love the word possessive. Like, you know, he wrote, he wrote this song for him, the people in the band, the people, you know, and the, and the friend that he lost. And, um, although yeah, people only use it for other stuff or they probably see it as, 
you know, just another another song. But to him, mm-hmm. it means so much more. And uh, it's a good, yeah, it's a good reminder that although these guys were larger than life, uh, they struggle with the same stuff that we do, and they are affected um, just as much when loss happens. Totally, absolutely. So let's move into track number two, uh, which once again is from that initial burst of songwriting, and that's "Reach Down." And yeah. I just have to say, "Hello, Mike McCready." <laughs> this one is this one's incredible. Yeah, and it, it's crazy for me. With <laughs> hello, this song. Mike McCready. Like I just <laughs> like, hello, hello, Mr. Mike McCready. <laughs> Welcome aboard. I mean, this, Thank this, God. this is fucking insane. I mean, this was this was before Pearl Jam had recorded ten. So this was, for all intents and purposes, Mike McCready's first time in a proper like professional setting to make music and play on a (laughs) on a major label i mean this man he just walks in and reached down as this eight or nine minute epic of a song and mike just goes and goes and goes and this is another one of those things where you know fact and legend intersect somewhere is that there's this story that he's playing the solo recording this album and like he's getting in the solo and his headphones fall off so he plays like <laughs> the last half of the song without even being able to hear anybody else in the band but i mean this guy like he's just coming in i mean what a phenomenal guitarist and this is you know it's so epic and i think this is such a formative song for who mike mccready is and how he serves songs and how he's continued to serve songs for the you know the subsequent 23 32 years um mm-hmm. i mean I, I i it's it's almost tough for me like to um to even pay attention or or have an opinion on a lot of the lyrical content of this song or how anybody else sounds because i just can't get my mind off of what mike did mm-hmm. with this one yeah and also like i feel like uh i i hear so much of jeff amen's bass in this one oh, too yeah. like it's so it's so heavy in the background and 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 it it's just like it is a very much Pearl Jam kind of sounding jam at times. Oh, yeah. But then, oh man, Chris is like, when it drops out, it's just like his vocals at the end too. After, after the solo, when he's so like, I want to reach down yes. and, 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 and they've got some backing vocals in there as well. And then it starts up again. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, man. It is, it is good. It's such a heavy, such a heavy jam at times it's, like it's, it's just so like, crazy yeah and and this is this is probably the most obvious of observations i'll ever have on this show but how insane is it that these men wrote dozens of songs like this that elicit that type of reaction from us i uh, like yeah. here here we are just like losing our shit over reach down and like if, if if you were to have had chris rank all of the songs that he's written like i don't even know where it would end up but i mean he's got this is like you want songs i got songs here here's more like take more it's unbelievable um yeah yeah, this this one's this one's this one's a heater this one is this this i don't know if it's my favorite on the album but it very well could be Mm -hmm. it very well Well, it very well could be with this album it's so hard to think of favorites because it's uh, how do you how do you not pick a song like hunger strike for example i know, uh, I know. which which you know i mean i mean once again starting an album say hello to heaven reach down and then hunger strike i mean this yeah. song there's really there's really nothing else you can say about it that hasn't already been said and that we probably already have said it's just absolutely iconic and and like you said i love that story of ed's in the studio um 
you know, auditioning for the next uh, Stone and Jeff project. And Chris, evidently at the time, um, he he was, he, you know, he wrote the song and and he's recording it, and he was having trouble laying down a portion of the vocals that were kind of in a lower register. And Eddie, mm-hmm. um, and, and he's recounted this story too, and he's like, I'm looking back, I'm surprised that I walked up to the mic and did this, but he walks up to the mic and lays down a portion of the song, you know, that lower, I'm going hungry part. Um, and Chris evidently didn't ask Eddie to do it, but Ed went up and did it. And Chris said that it was exactly how he envisioned it in his head, right. but the two hadn't even discussed it. Um, I mean, it just, it provides the bottom of the song and Chris is able to soar over top and then just, you know, Ed takes that second verse and, you know, they just trade off for the whole song. I mean, this is, this one, it's, it's so, um, it's so inescapable and it's so just omnipresent that you kind of forget how cool it is. And, and, it, know, and, and I, obviously, I and now, unfortunately in our sphere, like there's, there's definitely like a meme element to this song, but man, like it's, it's so good. It's mm-hmm. so good. And the guitar is great too. I, and it builds perfectly. Yeah, we, uh, this is <laughs> so true. It's like, we've listened to it so many times. So you have that like weird, like, I don't want to say weird view on it where you just like, like, yeah, hunger strike. I love it. Like, but then you listen to it every time you listen to it, like intently, you're like, man, this is like such a good song. It has such a, like, it's heavy kind of too like, towards the end. Yes. It's heavy, but it has like that slow kind of, you know, that PJ build where it just kind of keeps going up and then Chris come, you know, Chris and Eddie come in more and, mm-hmm. um, it really is a special song. This is, this is one I would have loved. I mean, I would love to see all these live. And I was gonna, uh, we'll talk about you know how we almost went to the tribute, Chris. And we almost I want to ask did. you: Do you do you feel like? I guess we can talk about it now. Like, what do you feel about it now? That seven years. Do you think we should have pulled the trigger? Dude, so they, they only played a few shows, it and it was clo- yeah, it yeah, the closest we was were, Seattle. <laughs> we, we, we were very we were very short on two. Uh, rather essential things to have pulled something like that off we were short on time and we were short on money um, very short on money for this we were in college we were in college at the time and i remember we, we were trying to get tickets and Ticketmaster was ticket mastering us and um airfare you know airlines were airlining us and college was colleging us and it really yeah, yeah it's obviously the answer is easy Look, it's always easier to to look back and say, of course, we should have done that. Or if I had the opportunity to do that today, I would do it. But it was, I remember it was, I mean, I, it do you was remember? very difficult. I think the final number for like what it would have cost each of us individually, it was, it, it was. I mean, the tickets to the concert were $700. $700. Yeah. That's less airfare without an, an like, that's not like, hotel. Yeah, yeah. That's like with nothing else, like literally to get in the doors that night mm-hmm. would have been like 700 Yeah. And you know how like people say when you were a kid. Maybe like, 500 Yeah. Like people always say like, oh, like remember back when you were a kid and like a $20 bill from like shoveling someone's driveway, like made you feel like you were rich. And then it's now yeah. it's like you spend $150 at CVS. <laughs> it's like back when like $20 was a lot of money. And it's like, here we are, <laughs> spend $700 to go to a temple of the dog show. But man, it would have been worth it. Two especially, weeks I mean, worth or something. Especially the, I mean, they were playing some other love bone songs. They played river of deceit. Uh, they played war pigs. I mean, that was a fucking special tour. And I heavily yeah. envy everybody that was able to, uh, to see it. And, uh, it's yeah. one of those things. I mean, you don't you don't have another chance, which stinks. You don't yeah. have another chance to hear Chris Cornell sing "Hunger Strike" and um, 
Yeah, it was one of those timing things too. That how it came out right before his, you know, they toured and not long, not not long after he passed right, away. It was late twenty sixteen, and he passed away in May of seventeen. So. Yeah, so like that is uh, one of the last one of the last scary big things that he to think did. about. Yeah, that it's like one of those weird things where it really personified mm-hmm. the tour and the yeah. the band, and then people start you know you sing say hello to heaven for Chris. Like there was just so many important yeah it was just it was an important moment again like his historic it was important <laughs> yeah. yeah it's and, funny and it because goes, it, yeah I was, I was just gonna say chris you know more on the important side like <laughs> when we were in college we would we would say everything is important like if i were to go get chris a beer from like the fridge i'd come over and leave like oh we'd be like this is important this like is we important. would literally like we say that shit about hey they're like i almost finished my beer and now i don't need to go to the fridge because you already got me one this is important i can stay right here in the moment like shit like there that is. So, you gotta remind yourself you know yeah some of so that we stuff. not we don't so we say it not only because like i mean it is it's but just a part because, of who we are yeah it's one of those yeah. things that is just a, a part, part of, of us so yeah also hunger strike goes without saying the legendary music video shot in discovery park in seattle uh, equal parts legendary and ridiculous with Sandy <laughs> better hiding and everybody at different parts of the and the best part like um <laughs> the 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 video does not at all time up with the song in the way that the guys are playing their instruments like there's this really funny part where stone is just like they're showing him just like playing up and down the neck of his guitar very much at a part in the song where stone would not be playing up and down the neck of his guitar it's just perfect it's peak it's peak you know 90s videos yeah peak early 90s so it's great Let's uh let's move forward uh to pushing forward back the fourth song um this is the first one that came from Jeff and Stone as a love bone demo um this one's mm-hmm. just super super punchy I think the chorus is really cool this is like a classic Chris Cornell vocal delivery in the chorus and he just he just kind of adds that like little vibrato uh you know on the the pushing forward back parts super super yeah. cool <clears throat> yeah with Chris's singing vocal this could very easily came out on a Soundgarden record, and it would make a lot of sense to me. It has a lot mm. of, has a lot of that. Obviously, um, this one always this one surprises me when I was listening back to it. I, I forgot how how good of a song this one is. It's mm. a lot of fun, um, pretty high energy, and yeah, it has like bad Motorfinger type of feel to me. Kind of just yeah, which is interesting because it didn't come from the pen of anybody right. in Soundgarden, but it just goes to show you how. Um, mm. I think that's the thing too. Chris had such a dynamic and unique vocal delivery that he could sing most things, and it sounds like it could have came, yes. could have come from his band. Exactly. Um, and pushing forward back, I'm going to say this a lot this this episode, but you, you, there's so much focus on the uh, the say hello to heavens and the hunger strikes of the world that yeah. you forget about a lot of these songs. And when we get into the back half of this record, there's a lot of songs that I, when I go back, I was going back to listen to it um, to make my notes for this episode. I'm like, holy shit! Like I forgot about this song or I couldn't tell you the last time that I took an informed listen to these songs, but I mean, there's just, there's mm-hmm. so many songs that, that demand your attention. And I think moving forward, uh, call me a dog. The next one is, is, is another one of those songs. This is just, I mean, this is another great, great ballad. Um, I love that line. Uh, you wore me out like an old winter coat trying to be safe from the cold. Um, you know, when it's my time to throw the next stone. And I think this one is, is the perfect example that really none of this, what was going on in the scene at the time, could be called grunge. I mean, this is this is a fucking ballad, man. It's so, yeah. so good. 
This was the one that I wrote down. Like this has a very desperate Chris Cornell voice to it, and this is like a, with the keys and stuff. This like Mother Love Bone meets Chris Cornell, and this is kind of like the perfect you know marriage of those two. And yeah, he is. Uh, it is a ballad. It's it's big mm-hmm. and it's it's a beauty. It really is yeah. a beauty, and that, that yeah. is a, a again really great lyrics across this whole album. But mm-hmm. this one is this one's also. Uh, substantial it totally is and um you know moving forward to the sixth track of this album we go to times of trouble which obviously is um of of certain notoriety because of its uh its presence here and it and and the music's presence on the the pearl jam song footsteps so this was Mm -hmm. uh, a stone gossard demo from the mother love bone era um and this was also in the three track demo that found uh, found its way to Eddie Vedder's hands uh, that became the uh, Mama Son mini opera with Alive Once in Footsteps. Um, obviously, this one, um, Times of Trouble. I like Times of Trouble better uh, than Footsteps, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, they're both really, really fantastic. And if I remember correctly, Chris Cornell had played footsteps at some solo shows which i gotta go back and one confirm that (laughs) my memory is telling the truth here and two just to hear it but um yeah this one the the message here is is really really beautiful and and i love i love the end of the song um and just how it kind of closes out um i just want to kind of read some of those lyrics you know if somebody left you out on the ledge if somebody pushed you over the edge if somebody loved you and left you for dead, you got to hold on to your time and break through these times of trouble. And and this one, you've got that interlude. I guess it would be a bridge where where the harmonica comes in, but then it it comes in towards the the crescendo of the song. And Chris just even in 2016, he's just soaring above this music and the way that he hits that. You got to hold on to your time and break. There's the pause through these times of another pause, and then he hits that really really smooth trouble to close it out and gets a little harmonica in there it's it's such a cool song and i think it speaks to a lot of those sentiments that exist mm-hmm. when you're around um a lot of these negative things and, and and difficult things that were so prevalent in the scene i think it speaks to that yeah yeah this is an ext- another well well written well composed song like very complete almost six minutes i mean it's that's not easy to write a six minute song you know what i mean and there's like multiple songs on here that go past five and once again it's like you want songs we got them here you go yeah that's (laughs) what i mean like people it's hard to make a longer song um that's why songs are three minutes now because people don't have attention spans to go past that they don't have the ability to kind of like get into it and obviously this is 20 20 30 almost 30 years ago 28 years something like that and uh you know so it's different they were at longer songs but yeah. man they really get into it and like yeah 30 and develop develop this like scene and song and the whole album is 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 like that but mm-hmm. yeah this one's a, another beautiful beautiful song yeah ton of i love the keyboard obviously playing oh through. yeah this is like i said again this is i've just can't stress enough it's just it's basically like mother the mother love bone feels with like the chris corn the stuff you love about chris and it's really comes yeah, yeah and, I mean, it's and just that's, a perfect perfect marriage like yeah and that and that's why this album is such a treat for people that maybe are starting to get into pearl jam or starting to get into Soundgarden. um and then you know this one 
is is kind of that direct path. I think a lot of people, it's comments like you hear Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, and then you find Temple of the Dog, and then that encourages you to go back into Mother Love Bone, and it, and it really just kind of grows your appreciation for who these musicians were um, and the types of songs that they could make. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, once we get on the back end of Times of Trouble, we move into the the main part of this album where I'm like, there's some there's some weird shit going on here, and there's a lot of shit that people don't really spent a lot of time listening to because of how much of a powerhouse the first part of the album is. Um, you know, we move in and we've got wooden Jesus and <laughs> this one, this <laughs> one's just weird. It, I, it's, it's just really, really different. I think um, I kind of love how it's the, like the, the spoon begin. man of temple. Yeah. Of the dog. It's just like uh, it, the build of the song is really cool, but the, 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 the start of it where Chris's voice, you know, he's singing, he doesn't have much, much in terms of the way of musical accompaniment. And then it just kind of builds, um, this is an interesting one. Wooden mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, it has like a very like picking, like almost mandolin type guitar part to start too. It's like yeah, very quiet. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. low build. Yeah, um, and I think this is the perfect one that it goes to show you that they were able to make these songs without having the expectation as to what their bands album should sound like or, or how they should write these songs and you know we'll get to it in a little bit we'll get to like all night thing and that's another one you know it's just like they made songs that are a part of this tribute for their friend they're not making songs for the next sound garden record or for the next uh what would be pearl jam record it's and and that's why mm-hmm. the, that that type of space where there's no expectation gives a song like wooden jesus its place in in the era um which is really really special um and you know you gotta you gotta have the wooden Jesuses of the world. Yeah, yeah. Cut you in. I love it. I, I, I believe he says that right. And then that the lyric. He's like, it's like I'll cut you in. I'll cut you in just like uh, Jerry. <laughs> just like Jerry. See, it's it's all connected. <laughs> it's all connected. Um, that's awesome. So yeah. Uh, next song, you know, moving forward, we have your savior, and oh, yeah. uh, I don't know. What are your initial reactions for this one, Chris? Again, so it's this kind one, of this that one's, slow, this one's, a little, well, yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of, it, it builds, but I think once it gets in, like it's, it's pretty hard nosed. Um, and I think that the guitar in this sounds like Soundgarden, which is interesting. Yeah. Like it's very Soundgarden-esque. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the exact, like if I had to pick one song that's like, this is a treat for somebody who's just starting to get into Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. I think your savior has got to be one of them. You get another great, great solo from from a young pre-mustache mike mccready and and this you know this album i mean you can tell i mean mike from the moment that he started recording music with these with these people i mean he he knew what he he knew what he could do yeah like i I wrote i was like a star is being born i mean hello mike (laughs) hello mike yeah this one's this one's kind of cool because it's a lot of lower registered uh vocals by chris kind of the whole time and i i think uh you know that stuff is that stuff is always really fun to hear. Everybody loves Chris's high stuff when it kind of is, is hard in the middle. You know that's mm-hmm. that's really really solid. So so much good so much good music uh, in this album. This guy's really uh, put a lot into the the parts, and um, I love it. I really I really do. Like it wasn't just like a, a soft tribute album. They did like the yeah. big and they did the the heavy stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it comes from such a sincere place and such a open place because 
I mean, I think, you know, you, you, you need to be sincere and you need to kind of be vulnerable when you're making something like this and, and props to, you know, the powers that be for giving them the, the space and the freedom to, to write, you know, pretty much whatever they wanted to do for this one. Um, yeah. I mean, it's really, really, really cool. Great so we'll ending move. to this. There's a lot of, oh, a yeah. lot of these songs have really big finishes that are like yeah. great. And this one too, like I've, I've listened to this and it got to the end and I was like, damn, I like, it really kind of went off for like you know 12 bars or something like that just musically mm -hmm. and to finish it out and yeah. they do that a few times on this on this album mm -hmm. and the next song four walled world they do exactly that and and yeah. this one i forgot how much i love this song because of what, what i've been saying you forget sometimes about the back half of this mm -hmm. uh and this is music by stone gossard i love the guitar is just kind of um it just punches you those those little licks then they kind of ring out and I get chills when Chris joins, you know, when he starts singing and he just had, he had that way. I mean, the, 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 the lines are so short, but the way that he was able to deliver them, you know, he opens up well, she cries and she cried all night to the sound of the freeway hum. When he hits that, well, she cries. It just, it's so quintessentially Chris. Um, and I, I love the subject matter of the song. It kind of feels like a, like a prisoner's tale. Um, and this is, like we're saying these you know these guys joining forces and bringing the elements of what made their own projects great and putting them together um you know and at the end of the song the the big finishes that a lot of these songs have i mean chris chris is just showing off on this one when he's when he's just yeah. flying above everything else that's happening in the room when he's hitting that four-walled world um in my four in my four-walled world over and over and over again it's like yeah man just like when you could do something like that you might as well just repeat you know, the yeah. same line many, many times at the end of the song. And it's just happening over just shreds on the guitar. Yeah, it's the incredible. drums and bass are just hitting. You know what I mean? Like, there's just so much going on, but it's done in incredible mm -hmm. uh, yeah. synchro synchronization. And um, another, like, you know, seven-minute song just about, mm -hmm. like, right under seven minutes. And you like, want every, songs? We got them. And every, every minute of this song is, like, good. And then they finish so strong and... Mm -hmm. That's always a great when you can when you can have a song like finish the way they do and and, and wrap it up. It's it's really cool good. too because there's there's so many different things at play with this album. I mean, there's there's so many points where their playing is quite subdued or non-existent, and there's a lot of open space for just yeah, Chris to sing a, a little ton bit. of open and space. Then they, and then they gave themselves the space and the time to open up and just just sear you and just shred and just let it go yep. and play loud and open it up and bring those louder elements of, of the projects that they did and what they would move on to create. Um, and a and lot of times I love it when it's at, you know, those, those things exist in the same songs. And we talked about that when we did the stone temple pilots, purple album. I love when bands do that, you know, they're subdued for a while and they open it up and then they close it back down and they open it up. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, those, when those sounds are together and you can hear them in a couple of minutes span, it's, it's so cool. Yeah. I think one of the strengths that obviously, you know, the vocals, but what they do about, what they how they approach it is they approach it like another instrument another musical instrument mm -hmm. and that's why there's so much space for right. for these guys to sing and to add you know just as much uh as it is impressive to have a guitar solo you know you let them come in and fill the void with the voice that's when you know these guys are you know at their best because they it's just another it's another instrument man mm -hmm. 
absolutely. And it's crazy. So it's like if you're listening to this front to back, I mean, you, 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 Four Walled World just blows you away. And then you go into the last track, All Night Thing, and it's right back to kind of like this very, very stripped down, like yeah. the drums in the beginning are like super like swingy. Um, yeah, very swing. And, yep. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, it's, it's such a unique way to end the album. Um, and it's such a unique part of the era um, and kind of like the type of song that, that Chris Cornell would write. Um, and and I, I like it kind of like kind of calls back to how the album started, I think, in a lot of ways with Say Hello to Heaven. Um, and, you know, the lyrics of this one are, are really, really great, too. But it, once again, it's just kind of like you don't know what to expect track to track to track on this album. And it's like you get yeah. um, you get something like Your Savior and then Four Walled World and they they bring you back down. It's always interesting how bands choose to end an album similarly to how they choose to end um, and their, their shows, you know, what's the last thing you're going to hear be, I mean, something you like to end sometimes in a big loud way. And then it just ends. And then they chose here to kind of bring it back down, which I, which I think is appropriate for what the purpose of the album was and what the, the, the central motivation for the album was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well said. This is, this is a beautiful ending song and I feel like it's kind of the closing credits to the album and, um, yeah, it just seems like it's kind of it's kind of the last thing that they leave us with, and and it was very intentional. And um, yeah, this is this is a beautiful beautiful album altogether, beautiful close, and I'm just uh, I'm happy we have it. Happy yeah, we have every song on here, you know, all super special. Like hour I'm happy long. everyone, you know, people have been able to make memories, and people there's there's a small number of people that were able to see the band play these songs live i mean not very often did they play they they barely played they barely played it as a band back in 1990 1991 they yeah. would reunite a, a few times over the few years times, and they yep. did that one tour where there weren't many dates uh for that 2016 show and they played a lot of small venues mm-hmm. um so it, those are those are memories that i think you know if you're fortunate enough to have to to have those memories that you hold them close especially now um, you know, that Chris Cornell is no longer with us. I think it's even more, more of a memory that needs to be held close. So it's Temple of the Dog. What a, what a great project. I always, I, funny, I find myself, I always think of, I always speak about this, uh, as a, as a project rather than a band. I mean, it's obviously semantics, but it's just like something that was perfect for the moment in time. And I, and I hope, you know, my, my only hope is that, you know, the, the project and the music served more of a purpose for them. Uh, than it did for us and and i know this has been very special for so many of us so that gravity i hope they felt that i can say with certainty that it probably did (laughs) certainty that it probably did (laughs) yeah certainly i can certainly say that they probably found it to be very important (laughs) yeah i mean i just think that you can hear it through every song uh how much yeah and the fact that they got together 25 years later to play it um, yeah. I think it goes like to show said, you that something whole, that they're proud of. Yeah, the whole the whole idea of of having your friend pass away four months later, kind of getting some demos down, calling people, getting it together, and recording all within a year. Like there was a window, a moment, and they had to act on it, and they did. And mm-hmm. like if they would have waited any more time, they would have started their bands, or who knows how the bands. A, and you would have gotten a different tribute album too. You would have, yeah, you could have like retroactively came back five years later. Those emotions are different. Everything's, everybody's kind of healed a little bit, or maybe they haven't. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those timing things that is, they took it, you know, they honestly take advantage, but they were, 
like Minutemen, you know what I mean? They they responded yeah. right away, and and I think totally. that is the only way that this could have worked the way it did. Mm-hmm. I really, yeah. you know, I, I don't think that it it, it would have, it wouldn't have been the same. You know, it wouldn't have mm-hmm. sounded, and who knows yeah. what if we'd even have it. Right. So the last Temple of the Dog related thing, uh, Ethan, I have a question that I have to ask you um, because I know this one has been quite the fiery debate with a lot of people um, on our page when we've posted it, but what is your opinion of Miley Cyrus's cover of Say Hello to Heaven? I mean, she's an incredible artist and singer. I think it's fucking when, awesome. Yeah, when she comes on and sings, I mean, it's, it is beautiful, and, um, and she has some ability that obviously is not the same as Cornell, but I think that she did a wonderful job, and, and I and think she's that— she's passionate, too. Yeah, and and I just know that she, they wouldn't have allowed her to sing it if if it wasn't like if if it wasn't sincere. Like I don't think that it would have happened if they didn't trust well, and, and that, know. That's the most what ridiculous she, thing because because people people always come she didn't just like, oh, get like, on the how, stage. How, because, how disrespectful was it for her to sing that song? I'm like my brother in Christ, Temple of like, the Dog. The surviving members literally asked her to. Yeah, you don't think they were like they don't think they ran it by them like hey. <laughs> You know, we're going to have this person sing like one of the most important songs yeah. that we could think oh, of. She, she did, she, she did such a beautiful version of it at the, yeah. um, at the, the Chris Cornell, uh, the, I am the highway tribute concert uh, in Los Angeles uh, a few years ago. And, and she if played it. She yeah. played it. I think at Lollapalooza last year or two years ago, like with her band, like it's really cool. It's really, really cool because you're going to have a lot of people who are Miley Cyrus fans who are not fans of temple of the dog and and any way that you can you can get this music to live on in, in different times and with different generations it's it's worth it it's so worth it yeah yeah i don't have a problem with it at all like no hell no yeah the tribute shows awesome. they're, they're not just i love my she's, she's yeah they're not sick. just thrown together with without any like <laughs> you know it's just not how it works but yeah she was at the uh she was at the hawkins tribute as well yeah, yeah. People forget. People for, I forget. forget. I forget what she. Oh, did she sing? I forget what she sang. Was it like a heart song or something? It's Dude, that night. That I'm night's like a thinking, blur. That night I know, is a blur. Kesha, I mean, Kesha so Pink, many, Pink stole. Yeah. Oh man, we Pink we're gonna get into it. We can't. We can't yeah. let ourselves get into. It. We gotta. We gotta stay. All right, yeah. Temple of the Dog, fucking awesome. Uh, go yeah. back and listen. Listen, especially you gotta go back and listen to the the back half and the songs that you don't normally pay attention to. Um, yeah. But you know, if you're beautiful, uh, if you're st- beautiful album. Yeah. yeah, and if you're you're still here listening to us, we we thank you very kindly um, for your time uh, and your support. Uh, we hope you know you enjoy these songs, and I, I hope in a weird way too that you know something like Miley Cyrus covering Temple of the Dog. You know, I hope that you know if we talk about certain songs, it might get somebody else to to revisit and and pass it on um, to other people because that's like you said, that's that's how we can kind of keep these these songs and these people alive in in their own ways. Thank you, everybody, for listening, for getting to the end of the episode. Um, we're very thankful to have people that actually listen. Um, obviously, people supporting us and giving money is one thing, but having it well-received is always going to be more important. And having people listen and, and interact with us, that is definitely always is really going to trump any type of support that we get because, um, you know, that's the important stuff, the connections and the uh the dialogues that you have and the, the emotions that you feel through the music, not just, you know, yeah. 
you know, getting, you know, getting by and you know, money is one thing, you know, but it's too damn expensive these days. So fuck it. We can't, we can't settle with money. We have to settle with each other and, and have, you know what I mean? Like we have to have uh, good interactions and uh, I'm, I'm rambling again. I'm rambling again. <laughs> Look yeah, at me. go rambling again. Look go at me. More of that good sarsaparilla. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, that's a good segue um if i could uh i know see now we're at the end of the episode we love where we segues. Have time. <laughs> we're yeah. at the end of the episode where we where we ramble on and don't yeah, just close ra- up shop look at me i'm rambling again well um so we do this every time Chris. yeah just... oh i gotta i gotta talk you you requested this that i that i uh disseminate oh, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. my bar experience this will be, be yeah this will be our uh our last song <laughs> this will be yeah. our tribute exactly so um I went to two Wonder Years shows with my buddy Cullen. Eddie Vedder got me through my second divorce. So the second one was Far and Away the Better Night. It was it was just electric. There was something in the air. And it started, we got to Portland, Maine. And we have this tradition, as I said, we, we drink uh, double Bacardi and Cokes before the show. Um, we were hungry, so we had to eat food. But we try to do it at the shittiest dive bar that we can find in walking mm-hmm. distance of the venue. Um, so we were walking around. We, we had this one bar that we wanted to go to, but they didn't have food, like the dive bar that we had identified. Um, so we're trying to find food, and we were just like, you know what? Like, it's downtown. Like, we're going to find something. And we're walking past, like, all of these, like, dimly lit storefronts, and a lot of places are closed. Then we see place. There's people inside. I turn to my right, and at the back of this room, there is a humongous mural of Walter, Donnie, and the dude sitting at the bowling alley in the Big Lebowski. There's wood paneling all over the walls. I turn to Colin. I'm like, we got to go in here. Like, I don't care what their food is. Like, like we have to go in there. So so we walk in. We find it. We get a seat at the bar. We sit down at the bar. I look up, and there is a television above me and that television is playing goodwill hunting and it must have oh been gosh. it must have been a dvd because it was commercial free um Hell so yeah. i i'd like to think that they're just playing that on a loop there but i mean there was wood paneling everywhere goodwill hunting was on tv and there was a big lebowski mural behind me um so i posted it on the grunge bible instagram story and a lot of people were swiping up i was like i'm never leaving like this is heaven um unfortunately yeah. i did have to leave the food was great because we had to go to the next bar um which was evidently the oldest bar in Portland. Uh, and dude, it was, <laughs> it was it was one of the weirder experiences I've had because it was cash only, which makes sense. But not only was it cash only, we ordered our drinks and the bartender was like, all right, <laughs> that'll be $26. And we're like, all right, all right, that's cool. Like, thanks. Like, he's like, no, like, that's $26. Right. He's like, we don't right do now. tabs here. <laughs> like, I've never heard of a bar that doesn't do tabs, but it was electric. Uh, the bartender was was super awesome. Um, I went out. I had a cigarette with him. It was, it was fucking perfect. It was yeah. exa- exactly what I needed. I mean, he made probably the strongest double Bacardi and Coke that I've ever had. Like, we ordered the double at the beginning, and he's like, just so you know, <laughs> I already make the single pours pretty strong. <laughs> It's not up to you what's in a single pour. Like it's, it's, it's like there's an empirical number yeah. associated with it, but That's not, like saying, not, like, in, not in this I, man's world. Like had like a beer, just so you know, I pour my 12 ounce beers pretty big. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, you, yeah, the 12 ounce beers are pretty big. Are you sure? Yeah. It's like, it's like, uh, I think it's like, so. hey, man, I've like, had a beer before. Like just, just so you know, 70 degrees in my town is pretty hot. <laughs> doesn't make any sense but yeah completely so we, objective yeah so we went in you know we we 
we we went through the eye of the storm you know we <laughs> the, the the single boards were pretty strong but we stuck with the doubles and uh, those were yeah. especially strong but it was it was exactly what we needed before the show we went in just in time for hot mulligan set um they were fucking fantastic and then the wonder your show that that was one of the shows and at this point I, i've seen a lot of shows especially in the last two years like the the portland one is one that will remember uh, I will remember mm-hmm. it for for a very very long time. It was it was just really really special. Um just one of those nights. That's so good, man. I'm I'm happy. I love when you see a show and you instantly know that like this yeah. is going to stick out in yeah. 5 years. And, and I knew pretty early on. Like I I, t- I turned to Cullen like we were like three or four songs in and we're like this is so much better than the night before and then like another two songs later we're like this is like one of the best. And he's seen him like eight or nine times and he's like this is probably this is up there. Um, so that I love was, that. Yeah, it's, yeah that's... it was it was really cool. So I'm I'm happy about that, and I'm happy that I was able to share those experiences with him. Yep. And I'm I'm equally as happy that I get to share these experiences with whatever sorry folks are on the other end of this right now. <laughs> they're happy. They're happy. Yeah, they're happy. See, I'd be happy for them if they had those experiences. So they ought to be happy for me. So um, yeah. should we? Uh, what do you think? Songs of the week now, huh? We gotta, we gotta. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. let's give him a quick quick hitter. Um, yeah. I was gonna say that would take the place since you have the whole band of the Wonder Years and yeah. and Hot well, Mulligan to listen to. But I'm I, sure I, I'm assuming that. One. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm I'm picking uh, from the Wonder Years' most recent album. Uh, the song is called "You're the Reason I Don't Want the World to End." Um, they played it at both shows, um, and it's uh, the album's great. It's the last song on the album, and it's a direct callback to the subject matter of the first song of the album, and uh, Soupy Campbell, the uh, the lead singer and the, and the songwriter, he wrote this song kind of like talking about like his his children and like how like despite everything that's going on and like his own flaws, like he has to be strong for them. Um, and like this song, like it, it starts, it kind of like, <laughs> it's going to sound weird, like kind of in the way of like, uh, like a temple of the dog song where like he's singing at the beginning and there's nothing else going on. And this song fucking opens up and it's fucking incredible. And like, there's like the crescendo of the song, like, like he steps away from the mic and then he comes back and he just screams, I don't want to die. Cause I got to protect you. And like, when you're in the pit, man, and like everybody knows the words and everybody's screaming that together. It's just like, uh, it's, it's one of those one of those feelings yeah like you don't you don't feel like that every day like if i could if i could if i could have like that feeling every week i mean that'd be that'd be really cool you take it yeah yeah man so my song is actually i'm picking a hot mulligan song Hell yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a hot mulligan fan been for a few years and um i'm gonna go with uh equip sunglasses it's one of their uh more popular songs yes. and it's it's off of um, You'll Be Fine, the album that got me into it in 2020, right when COVID, I think I listened to it a ton during COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a super fun song. His voice is like, they ha- it's very, you know, he's very punk rock and has emo. And it's like the perfect uh, mix for me where it's not, you know, it's not too whiny. Sometimes you can get the emo bands and the, the guys, you know, it's a little bit you know, pretty, pretty whiny or something like that. And, you yeah. know, you can take a little bit, but these guys seem like and they when they hit the when they're jamming and whatnot, it's it's very lively and I like mm-hmm. that a lot. So Absolutely. Um, equip sunglasses, awesome guitar. And uh yeah. So you get a, a double shot with the opener and the closer of the, the shows yeah. that Chris went to. And there you yep. go, that's really all you need. I gotta say Sorry. I love I love that album name. You'll be fine. Yeah. It's, true. Yeah. it's true. It's true. You'll be fine. Yep. This too shall pass. 
So, Amen. All right, everybody. Thank right. you very much. We'll see you same here. time, same place next week. Rock see you guys later. I was just, I was literally just about to start. Hold the thought. <laughs> so I'm going to grab my water. <laughs>